Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about fall weed control. And I realize if you're still harvesting, you're going, hey, I, I got more important things to worry about than weeds. But if you have at least a little opportunity this fall, it is a tremendous chance for you to get ahead of weeds especially if you're a no-till or strip-till and you're worried about these winter annual weeds. Like, let's take mare's tail, for example. We get so many calls every spring. Oh, my mare's tail's so bad. And you know what our response is all the time? Okay, yeah, we can help you in the spring. But next fall, if you could, just take a couple afternoons and go spray your worst fields with like a quart of dicamba or something and just wipe it out. And then you don't have to worry about it come spring. So we've been spraying here on our farm over the course of the last month, and we'll have a lot of residual herbicides down, so we don't have to worry about spraying in the spring. Um, we will have burn down stuff done. So for our strip till acres, we don't have all those winter annuals that are fighting us. And, you know, I realize it's a busy time, but I also know we've been waiting for corn to dry down, as you probably have too. So I haven't minded waiting a little bit, doing a little spraying, slowing down the combines just a little bit. Uh, again, we, we, we've got some opportunities because we've been waiting for that corn to dry down. All right, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a second. Uh, before we do, I would just tell you if you've got any questions for us, if you'd like to call into the show, the number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We are live in the Morton studio today, and it's time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, uh, got a question from Wisconsin. Really high CEC soil, so heavy ground, normally putting everything out up front for fertility pre-plant. Uh, using a two-by-two for placement and uh, putting things about three inches out. Uh, Would like to have uh, a local dealer spread some... Wait, 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 stop. You just said two-by-two placement, and then you said putting things three inches out. What are you you talking about here? Uh, I'm just reading the email. (laughs) It said using some two-by-two, got some other stuff three inches out. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, But would like to to put some boron into the starter. What do you think about that? Uh, Local dealer says they're nervous about putting boron in any starter. Just wondering if you think a two-by-two placement is far enough out or that would be uh, okay. That's the first question. What do you think of that? Well, first of all, when anybody says starter, we need to qualify that by, uh, and, and thankfully he did, saying, by starter, he means two by two. A lot of times when I think about starter, I think about inferral. So inferral, boron's obviously way more dangerous, but you could you can put it a little bit inferral. You can put a little bit in a two by two. You can put some in a deep band. I mean, it's all dependent on, on what type type of rate we're talking about here. So Yes, a little can be used, but it's got to be a relatively small amount. But yeah, absolutely, I would use some. We've been using some in the furrow and some in a two by two if we've ever, if we've done that uh, for years and it works fine. Okay, the other oh, question. Sorry, oh. uh, if you got a big, if you need big time rate, then that's where you'd want to broadcast it. Um, 
so just keep this in mind. You may not be able to put enough in that two by two to feed your plant for the whole season. So you might have to do either some broadcast uh, now or in the spring, or just do a little foliar feeding next year to supplement what you're going to put in that starter. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the other comment here, you said last week I heard that on your podcast, someone had stated that if you put ammonium sulfate with urea, ammonium sulfate will act as a nitrogen stabilizer. I had not heard that before. I don't know if there's anything behind that. Uh, if that is true, could you guys explain why AMS would stabilize urea? Okay. So Kip Colors had made that comment. Now, I don't know... Uh, I don't have any data on that for you. What I what I have seen is I remember from years ago where Southern Illinois University, Brian Young, when he was down there, talked a lot about ammonium thiosulfate, and then their research that had stabilized 28%, almost as good as a nitrogen stabilizer. So that part I do know. Uh, I, I would say this. We talk often about sulfur helping nitrogen utilization in the plant, but in terms of ammonium sulfate stabilizing urea, Kip made that comment. I, I don't have data on that. I can't prove that one way or the other at the moment. So uh, sorry, I, I can't help you out any more than that. All right. Well, thanks for the questions. We do appreciate that. Uh, all right. Uh, this one is from Justin. He said, I've uh, got a question on soil sampling. This spring we spread potash and map on all our ground. And with the weather that seemed to be countrywide, we didn't get everything planted. Now, on the ground that's not planted, but we put a full rate of potash and map out there this spring, uh, we're due to soil sample some of this ground because we sample every third year. Well, in my mind, not having a crop on the ground this year will give results that could skew the recommendations for variable rate fertilizer over the next three years based off this one test. What would you do in this situation? I'd still test because it's been three years since you've done any testing. And we want to find out what all you have besides just P and K. There are a lot of other nutrients out there. And in terms of it skewing data, I don't see how it's going to really skew your data because if you're going to use soil test results for multiple years, you're going to figure crop removal anyway. So if you start at a high figure, then you have, let's just call it really good yields and pull that out. Well, obviously you're going to fertilize again. So I don't know that it makes any difference. I don't know that it makes any difference either, Justin, because all you're doing is getting a starting point. And, okay, here's what's out there right now. Now I know I'm going to raise 200 bushel corn and 60 bushel beans and 200 bushel corn or whatever three crops you're going to raise. And you're just looking at, well, what am I going to remove out of each of those three crops as you're building this program? You know, unless your yield data is going to get tied to those grid points, I don't know how you really do that with a three-year program, but I guess maybe you've got that all figured out. But to me, yeah, to me it doesn't make a difference. It's just a starting point wherever wherever and whenever you pulled that soil sample to begin with. Hey, thanks for the question. Uh, if you've got some samples you want us to look at in regards to that field, we'd be happy to as well. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Using NSERV nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. 
Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers, for farmers. Case IH, rethink productivity. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG soil fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And our topic is fall weed control. We get a lot of weeds that are popping up in no-till, uh, reduced-till acres, and many of them winter annuals that would be great to deal with right now as opposed to dealing with big, tough weeds in the spring. That's why we're talking about this uh, today. Certainly over in Michigan, they've got weeds like this as well. we got Christy Sprague with us right now with Michigan State. Christy, thanks for joining us. Thank you. You know, I was over in uh, southeastern Michigan, and I remember uh, talking to a farmer, and he said, I think our state flower now is going to be mare's tail. He said, this thing is tough in reduced till. Uh, what are you recommending for, for weeds like mare's tail? Well, one of the things that we like to do is just get a head start on them. Um, and we've kind of got mare's tail that seems to come up throughout the year. So if we can get going on a good fall application burn down just to get a head start. So when we hit the spring, um, we're still going to need a burn down, but at least we're starting from a more even slate instead of having mare's tail at all different sizes. Yeah, the different sizes seems to be the big thing because if you can avoid having those huge ones out there, now you can get some coverage on those lower ones. Are you seeing kind of the same thing? Yeah, definitely um, coverage as well as you know, a lot of the herbicides are a lot more effective when those weeds are smaller. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So, what do you what do you like? You mentioned burn down. Do you like having residuals out there in the fall too? Um, a lot of it depends. Some of those residuals will also help down help in the burn down, um, and those residuals will help you know quite a bit in the fall to stop some of maybe some of those ones that are kind of sneaking there a little bit later. Um, 
but uh, in general, we're we're still looking that we're going to have to get some residual out there in the spring to make sure we uh, can stay clean throughout the season. What do you see happening with cover crops in the state of Michigan, and how does that change weed control options for farmers? Uh, this year, especially because we had a lot of prevent plant acres, um, there was a lot of cover crops out in. So we, we've got a lot of uh, rye um, uh, or cereal rye, oats, a lot of those that went out. And some of those are actually helping suppress some of those uh, different weeds, particularly the mare's tail that was coming up a little bit later. Do growers in your state like to burn the cover crop off in the fall? Do they like to try and let stuff grow as long as they possibly can? How, how is that being managed? That's a really good question because we've got guys that are doing all sorts of things. So we've got people that are trying to let that grow throughout the fall and especially some of the cereal rye stuff and some people trying to work on some planting green options, particularly with soybeans. We've got others that will burn down stuff in the fall. Um, even, you know, with a lot of our oats are going to all be winter kills. So there's there's a lot of different things that growers are doing. So it's kind of a mismatch and a lot of different kinds of cover crops as well as different types of termination methods. We've got the same thing going on over here in the Western Corn Belt. And that's part of the reason I was asking this for, because we got a lot of guys that are doing it for the first time, you know, in some of these prevent plant acres and uh, they're, they're looking for some advice. My, my advice and see what you think of this has been, well, if you're used to doing tillage in the fall and planting into black soil, I would recommend that's what you do. But if you're used to, to no-till, it may be a little bit different. Yeah, and it really it, it it depends on what the situation is, and we've got, and probably like you do, all sorts of different types of soil types. So we've got some that take a lot of time and effort to, for them to dry out. That maybe they don't want that cover out there early in the spring, but we've got a lot of sandier soils where that cover is very beneficial uh, throughout the winter. Christy, how about the prevent plant guys that didn't get a cover crop out? Because we've certainly got some of those acres that just really weren't fit to be out there hardly at all this year. If they were, it maybe it was for a day. Uh, we've got a lot of weed pressure. Certainly a lot of those weeds went to seed this year. Do your recommendations change in terms of fall weed control and early spring weed control in uh, prevent, prevent plant? Well, I think in a lot of those acres, we probably are seeing a lot more perennials and biennials issues as well as some of the winter annuals coming up. So doing a fall application would be helpful, especially when you've got things like thistles and dandelion and those types of things that you're trying to deal with that a lot of times those fall applications do really help in managing those versus trying to manage them in the spring. So like now would be, you know, a, a perfect time if we could get out there and get some of those fall applications on. Um, I know for us, we're, we're really behind on harvest. So um, it just really kind of depends on <laughs> on where things are at as whether we'll get some of those fall apps out this year. Well, everything seems to have been a month late this year, a month late with planting, a month late with some of this harvest. Hopefully we have an extra month to get some of these jobs done. I'm afraid we're going to need that it. That would be great. <laughs> We've been talking with Christy Sprague with Michigan State. Christy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck here the rest of the fall. Thank you. Uh, let's head out to Ohio. We get Drake Copeland with us right now with FMC. Drake, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing pretty well. Now, sitting here in South Dakota, I know this spring we kept hearing about Ohio and South Dakota being disasters. Uh, what What's Ohio looking like right now? Well, it was it was looking good from a harvest standpoint, but as you guys know, that front that moved through kind of got a lot of folks out of the field. 
I've seen a few combines running in fields today that, you know, I question how they're moving through it, but, you know, they're making it, trying to get it out. So that's the goal, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, we got to do what we got to do, I guess. But, you know, I think one of the things that's getting missed, and Christy kind of hit this too, when harvest is behind in some of these areas, or at least behind what guys were used to, that stopping the combine to do some fall weed control is is hard to do. Uh, can you talk to us about fall weed control, what you've seen, and, and what some of the success stories have been? Yeah, there's been some optimism around that. I know some of the retailers and, and I guess, private applicators or commercial applicators that told the growers they said you know we know you're way behind do not hesitate to call you know i've heard the phrase will spray until the boom freezes because you know they see the benefit in that fall burn down program especially when you get to the spring around planting they see where it was done and where it hasn't been done so there's some effort being made to help those guys out if they're in the field but again uh, that can't be done until the crop comes out yeah, yeah, very true. What you know, we were talking about the prevent plant acres, and I know your state has has got some as well. Those seem to be opportunities where where maybe if, like you say, if it's not super wet out there, and we could get through to to control some of those weeds, would be a good idea. Yeah, and that's another thing. Uh, cover crops have been a, a big deal. There's been a lot that got established early on, and uh, have you know they're competing with winter weeds as we speak. Um, but there's also those fields that maybe you know there wasn't enough time not that they were getting ignored but they're going to require some some maintenance before we go into the winter because as we know you know mare's tail for example that that fall flush you know if we let it go over winter it's the first ones to bolt out of the ground and you know if you're in a no-till system solely relying on herbicides it, it requires at least one or two applications sometimes and that's just not what we want to see especially on those prevent plant acres you know, the, the mare's tail, we talked a little bit with Christy about. I know Ohio certainly has got its share of mare's tail and other winter annual type weeds. Uh, we, we've really had good luck putting products out in the fall. Let's say that we, we use some of our residual in the fall. How do you handle spring residual treatments when you've already got a residual out there from the fall? Yeah, I think the main message, when we're using a residual in a fall burn down, would definitely see the benefit of it the earlier it goes out because you know it's it's getting all those early emerging winter annuals and you will depending on the soil temperature and, and where you're at in the country you can see some some residual activity on into the early spring but i try to remind folks that that fall application with the residual is not you know an excuse to not use your your pre-plant pre's or, or your pre that you apply at planting with the residual so that's what i try to remind folks yes a residual piece in the fall burn down is very important, uh, depending on on your weed spectrum. But it's not the idea is for it not to replace that pre-emergence that we rely on at planting. Yep, couldn't agree more with you on that. Uh, I've been talking with Drake Copeland with FMC over in Ohio. Drake, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. Yep, you too. You know, this uh, harvest being behind a little bit. A lot of times we think about all right, what are my priorities out in the field? certainly on some of these prevent plant acres, but even in some of the reduced till and no-till acres that, that got in this year, as soon as that crop comes off, getting a fall weed control treatment out there could be a really important thing for your farm. We're going to talk a little more about that and also take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
What if surviving a drought began with a microbe? What if instead of 10 buyers, you could access 10,000? What if you were paid for the carbon your crops pulled from the air? And what if these what-ifs weren't what-ifs at all? At Indigo, we're working with farmers to question the entire agriculture system, to reimagine everything from soil to sale. Yep, the whole lot. Visit indigoag.com slash questions to find out more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like Waterhemp, Mare's Tail, and Giant Ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit BattleWeeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. That's like explaining a missed forecast to a weatherman. Now, Mother Nature stresses soybeans the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Preaxor fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your beans can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Preaxor fungicide and BASF plant health. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind. Ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today talking about fall weed control. And earlier we were talking with Christy Sprague with Michigan State. And Christy had mentioned some harvest delays and the harvest uh, wasn't going very smoothly there. And I, as soon as she said that, I was like, huh, she hasn't been to North Dakota lately. Uh, so I thought it'd be nice to run up to North Dakota right now. We got Joe Eichley with North Dakota State with us right now. Joe, I don't think Christy really knows how tough harvest could be in, unless she came up to North Dakota and saw what some of the farmers in your state are fighting. Oh, it, it, it's been pretty bad up here. Um, you know, we are finally getting some combines rolling this week, but it, it's still not pretty. You know, there's just ruts in every field where the equipment's heading right now. 
You know, we're talking about fall weed control, and I know for some of the guys that uh, can't really get into that next field, maybe some of the fields that were a little higher and drier, they could get out there and do some fall weed control on. Is this something that's starting to get a little more popular in your state? Yes, yes. We're starting to see more applications of uh, fall burn downs, especially as you get out of the Red River Valley and head west where there's a lot more no-till. Uh, we're having increasing problems with mare's tail or, or uh, horseweed. And then even further out west, a weed called narrowleaf hawksbeard. Uh, so battling those two weeds, we're starting to you know slowly adopt and figure out that fall is the best time uh, for herbicide application to control those weeds. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up narrowleaf hawksbeard. This is a weed that we're getting a lot of questions about really all throughout the year from farmers in uh, Montana and western North Dakota, but uh, it, it's in other areas as well. Can you talk to us about that weed? What makes it so tough, and what are you finding that's really being effective? Yes, this is a weed that really kind of exploded onto the scene over the last couple of years, and exactly like you said, Montana and western North Dakota uh, we can find it in eastern North Dakota, but where we're conventional tillage, it's not that big of an issue. So the reason it's problematic is a lot of the same reasons why horseweed is problematic. It, it germinates in the fall, uh, tougher to control in the spring with a spring burn down. Um, you know, we don't have any resistance that we know of, but it can be tough to control with just glyphosate in the spring. So really a lot of the same reasons why marestail can be problematic, uh, narrowly hawksbeard can be problematic. As far as what we're finding that's pretty effective, um, you know, if we look at fall burndown programs, something like, you know, as simple as glyphosate and 2,4-D or glyphosate and dicamba can be some pretty cheap and effective uh, programs. Uh, with some of our research, you know, if we want to throw a little bit more money at it, something like Express or Sharpen in the fall can be a little bit better than 2,4-D or dicamba for a hawksbeard hawks control. Okay, express or sharpen, and that gives you some flexibility to a few different crops as well, which is kind of nice. Yes, and that's huge for us in the areas with hawksbeard. You know, a lot of chickpeas, lentils, other pulse crops out there, so that's why we target those types of programs to have that flexibility for crop rotation. Hey, one other weed, Joe, that, that's getting a lot of play is Roundup-resistant kochia, and that's been a challenge for guys in the spring to deal with. Can fall treatments uh, help in North Dakota on that particular weed? Yes, so we're, we're seeing a lot of good results applying Valor in the fall, um, anywhere from two to four ounces, obviously, the, the higher the better. Um, and basically, by having Valor in the fall, when, when we get into the spring, it controls um, you know, not all the kochia plants, but enough to reduce what we like to call the kochia max. So one of the issues with kochia is there's just so many plants in a square foot in the spring, we can't get enough coverage out of a sprayer to control them all. So these fall applications of Valor help kind of thin the herd out some and make uh, control in the spring easier for the plants that do come up. You know, there's been a lot of speculation about what farmers in North Dakota are going to plant next year, and these harvest delays certainly don't help. What What's going to happen on some of these sugar beet acres, Joe? Uh, if we can't get them out of the ground this year, what what do we do next spring? Yeah, that's a good and tough question. You know, as far as I can see, there's, we're making some progress on on the sugar beets, um, get, actually getting them out. But... You know, that's, you know, well, I, I just don't know what we're going to do in the spring <laughs> if we don't get them out. I'd throw my hands up, too. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just hopeful that we can because we have a window here. The ground isn't frozen yet. Um, 
Um, we're making a mess out of the fields, but we are. It looks like we're getting most of them out. That's the hope, at least. Yeah, well, we're sure thinking about all the farmers up in North Dakota. This has not been an easy harvest by any stretch. Uh, we're talking with Joe Eichley with North Dakota State. Joe, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Yeah, thank you very much. Let's head out to North Carolina State right now. We've got Wesley Everman on with us. Wesley, how's it going? It's going well. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, so fall in North Dakota is quite different than fall in North Carolina, but still uh, we've got some of these tough weeds that get a start this time of year. What kind of success are you having with fall treatments on weed control? You know, it's interesting being a Midwest guy originally coming down here. There's not a lot of traction on fall uh, burndown programs or residual programs in general. Uh, Our mild winters typically deter folks from really wanting to put much out there. And then, you know, as mentioned in the last segment, a lot of diverse crops. And so people don't want to lock in, especially using a ALS based uh, program in the fall. So we don't see a lot of fall applied herbicides. Uh, we've been doing a little bit of research trying to shift our uh, burn down applications from, you know, spring to more of a what I call a winter burn down where we're spraying maybe in December or January trying to you know mimic that a little bit where we're spraying out our mare's tail maybe some of our uh, primrose trying to get those out of the mix ahead of time so it's a little bit easier smaller weeds to clean up in the spring. All right so you say December January is the normal time frame February March that guys will be putting those treatments out historically? historically that's probably what we target unfortunately (laughs) uh realistically (laughs) a lot of times we're spraying in april and may (laughs) okay okay yeah i I was curious about that and i know you know coming coming out of uh different seasons like uh for this year was was much of your state hot and dry once we got into july august yes uh we we were stayed fairly cool and wet through the spring delayed a little bit of our planting especially our our soybeans were pushed back a little bit this year and then once we got into july august it it was hot and dry though all right so how does that change things going into next year are you going to see different weeds are you going to see a different amount of weed pressure Uh, is there anything that the growers should say okay i'm gonna have to tweak the program a little bit based on last year's weather yeah, sometimes. Um, for us, it's always um, going to be really dependent on what crop was grown. So our tobacco guys, sweet potatoes, and some of our other high-value crops, they do a pretty good job managing those weeds. When it's hot and dry, you know, we don't get a lot of germination in the summer. So we don't have quite as many late-season weed problems in crop. Now, we've had a little bit of wet weather again in the fall, and so we get a good bit of germination of our Palmer amaranth, for example, this time of year. We're not going to get a big flush and get big plants with a lot of seeds, but we've seen you know some plants get four to six inches tall and put on a seed head. So it is something that we mention when we get wet weather right after harvest to keep an eye on the fields and maybe utilize a burn down program to control the amaranths so we don't get another crop of seeds for next year. 
All right, real quick question since you brought up the Palmer. What are you seeing on the new soybean traits like in list E3 and Extend? Are, are you getting good control with Palmer Amaranth? We are. Uh, we think that, you know, they're a good fit. Um, obviously, we've got to watch how we spray, you know, and, and what we have nearby. You know, we've got some very sensitive crops, like I mentioned, with the tobacco sweet potato. Sure. But as long as we're timely and we're on target, I think they're good programs for us. Yeah, it's been fun. I got a chance to to come to some North Dakota State weed trials a few years back, and it was it was really interesting seeing just what kind of weed pressure growers in your state are dealing with. It's it's not easy, and uh, really appreciate hearing from you today, Wesley. And uh, good luck going into the rest of this fall. Thank you. Have a good fall yourself. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we're talking fall weed control on our show today, but also taking your agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. If your fertilizers aren't formulated to maximize your efficiency, if you can't mix all the PK and micros your crop needs into one prescription application, if you have to add products to improve and invigorate your soil biology, then you need to expect more from your fertilizer. With AgroLiquid's advanced technology, you can expect more, a lot more. Make the most of your crop nutrition. With AgroLiquid, to find a crop nutrition expert near you, visit agroliquid.com. If you're like most farmers, you start thinking about next year's herbicide program right now. And the first step to a clean start next spring is applying Authority MTZ-DF herbicide this fall. Nothing burns down tough winter annuals, including common chickweed, henbit, and mare's tail, like a tank mix containing Authority MTZ-DF herbicide. Talk to your FMC Star retailer about Authority MTZ-DF herbicide, or visit fmcauthority.com. Always read and follow label directions. Authority is not registered for sale or use in California. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. For generations, your family has given their all to create a farming legacy. The fields now in your care are a heavy responsibility to sustain. You can't control when or how rain falls, but you can ensure your fields remain productive by taking water drainage into your own hands with the SoilMax Gold Digger Tile Plow. SoilMax Tile Plows bring a quick return in dollars, but no ROI is greater than a family's farming future. Let SoilMax ensure your greatest investment continues. Visit SoilMax.com to learn more. Avoid the V-shaped pattern of injury caused by chemical buildup in your booms. The Express end cap from Hypro eliminates the dead ends that lead to herbicide buildup and provides easy access to your booms, giving a complete flush between applications. Hypro, 
helping you spray better. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can find us online. Uh, we're on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Been talking fall weed control on the show today. Certainly, Things change as soon as you go away from tillage. You know, growing up, our dad would do a lot of fall tillage, and we didn't have a lot of these winter annual type weeds or, or biennials or even perennials out there, other than we were fighting some Canada thistle, which Roundup Ready crops completely wiped out for us. But, you know, you think about this, Brian, as this is one of the choices you make as you switch systems. Uh, weed control is going to change. You're going to have some different weeds you're going to fight. And when you do, fall options are pretty good in some of these reduced till situations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we get to that, you said Roundup Ready crops pretty much wiped out our Canada thistle. We had made a very concerted effort to spray a lot of stinger in our corn prior to that. So we used a lot of Hornet, which was... Um, you know, the old product years ago, Python and Stinger, and that worked great. And we used some high rates in the thistle patches because that was our number one weed for a while. But it was interesting just how the weed spectrum changed to your point. I mean, we started seeing dandelions out in fields. And I remember when I first started seeing a bunch of dandelions in our fields, I'm going, what the heck are these dandelions doing out here? And then mare's tail and, you know, all these winter annual weeds. <laughs> so, yes, when we went to no-till on roughly half our acres, and those acres are pretty much strip-till today, it was an enormous change. And that's part of the reason why we would encourage you to take a look at fall weed control. The other big part is just... It's hard sometimes to get all the work done in the spring. And by the time you get going in the spring, in some cases, the weeds are big and they're thick. So I think about even kochia, for example. When you get into some of these western states, like here in South Dakota, there's such tremendous kochia pressure. It is crazy. And I, I've been doing a lot of training here, training agronomists over the last few weeks, and I just have made this comment several times saying, all right, what's your general thought in 2020? Are we going to have uh, normal weed pressure? Are we going to have high weed pressure? Or are we going to have very high weed pressure? <laughs> you know, you can see the agronomists are thinking a little bit, and everybody's like, oh, at least high pressure. Personally, my opinion is we're going to have very high pressure because you think about all the unplanted acres, you think about all the hail, green snap, everything else, the wind issues this year. There were a lot of areas where right out in fields where we normally have great crop canopy, we didn't have great crop canopy this year. So all kinds of weeds went to seed. It's crazy. And I'm just afraid that we're going to have higher weed pressure than normal going into the next few years. So if you can get ahead of it a little bit and get yourself out in the fall, well, you know, that, that helps. Now, I, I would say this, if you're going to use a residual herbicide in the fall that you're going to count on for actual residual control in crop next spring. There are a couple of tips I would give you. First of all, don't ever spray it in the fall on acres that you aren't certain 
you're going to get into early in the spring. So if it's river bottom ground that floods even once every 10 years, absolutely don't be spraying that in the fall. I mean, with anything residual that you count on for spring. Yes, you can spray it with a burn down like dicamba or 2,4-D or Roundup, whatever. That's fine. I'm talking about stuff that's going to hang on into the spring, like Authority or Valor or Trifluralin or Prowl, uh, one of the group 15s. I mean, you can spray those now in a lot of areas and you'll have great weed control early in the spring. So tip number two is basically you want to plant that ground that you sprayed in the fall. You want to plant that as early as you possibly can in the spring because you want to get good crop canopy up. Once you have that crop canopy, then you should have weed control after that point. So those are probably the top things I would say. And just, you know, be careful about what you're doing, where you're spraying it. But we have sprayed stuff in the fall for years and years. I love doing it. I know it takes away from all this super busy time that we already have. But, you know, in a lot of cases, it's just a couple of afternoons that you need to go out and spray on your worst acres and ground that you know you can get into early in the spring. And then you're just going to be so happy that that's done. So I'd encourage you to at least be thinking about that and take a look at that. Oh, hey, there is one last thing I'd say. Since you've already had a frost, I mean, it depends. If you are way south and you haven't, great. But if you've already had a frost, it's too late for Roundup. So don't be thinking about Roundup anymore. you got to switch to something else. Roundup doesn't work nearly as well when i mean after that first frost so that this is too why like even pasture spraying i think about pasture spraying i mean you can still do a lot of these things in the fall and for burn down and it's going to work but i just really prefer stuff a little earlier if we can when it comes to pastures when it's crop fields and you literally just harvested yeah you don't have a lot of choice but if we're talking products that are going to give you residual into the spring like valor like group 15s whatever it's perfectly fine just make sure you're getting that done before the ground is frozen okay i think that's all i got okay uh let's dive into the ag phd mailbag again then uh let's start out in uh Wisconsin. Got one from Thomas. He said, I really appreciate your radio show. Keep up the good work. I'm wondering, will you be putting on a tiling school this winter? Uh, yeah, we're going to put on a tile clinic and let's see. Got, we're talking. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Darren. All right. Yeah, we're going to be posting this to the agphd.com website really shortly here, but we're, we're uh, planning January 28th of doing that right here on our farm. Um, so right at the Ag PhD Field Day site, we've got an indoor facility there, so it won't be cold in January 28th. They'll be inside. Uh, but, but, yeah, we'll have equipment there and uh, a lot of experts talking about how you can do this yourself and how to work with contractors in the best way possible to keep your costs down and your return on investment high. Yeah, what we're planning to do is workshops three days in a row. So we'll make it super worthwhile if you're traveling for, from a long ways. We're going to do a tiling clinic. Then we're going to do a weed, insect, and disease workshop. And then also a, an extensive soils clinic. So it'll be a lot of fun. Three days of diverse topics, just about everything that we can possibly cover in agronomy. In three days, we're going to do it here this winter, that last week of January. Okay, I uh, get a question from Jack, and, and this one actually came into Grain PhD. Uh, again, if you've got grain marketing uh, questions, Grain PhD is a great place to send those. And uh, for agronomy questions, Ag PhD would be the best place to send those. Jack asked a question. He said, I've got corn down. Have you seen a flex draper head work picking up down corn? What are some of the strategies uh, that guys are using for down corn? Um, 
I I haven't been around them. No, I've heard good reports. Uh, so there there are a lot of people obviously this year talking about different types of heads, different things that can be done to pick up down stuff. I just know for us on our farm in the past, you know, we've had a lot of guys to talk about reels. Sometimes that works. It just depends on the situation. Uh, for anyway, for us. In, I'm just going to step back a second. 20 years ago is when we had a major issue. And the reason why we had a major issue is because, yes, we had strong wind. But we had strong wind this year, too, and didn't see near the problem. Uh, the whole thing was we didn't have the proper fertility for what we were trying for planting population. Where we had the major lodging issue is where we had low K, low potassium, and we were planting... 38, 40,000 plants per acre. It was dumb. So if you're going to go with 2% base saturation K, you can't plant 40,000 plants per acre, in my opinion, because you're just so much at risk for lodging and green snap and everything. So really look hard at your soil tests before you start bumping planting population. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why Darren and I spend so much time working with agronomists so they understand, especially seed agronomists, so they understand, hey, when when you're making a seed recommendation for somebody, you can't just tell the guy randomly, oh, yeah, bump your planting population. Higher planting populations help. Well, they might, but you got to have the proper fertility. So it's great that you know seed and you know seed inside out and you know the varieties and what soil types they fit in and all that kind of stuff. That's nice. But you really have to know fertility along with that. Because if I look at a soil test and I see 2% or even 3% base saturation K, I'm going to probably tell the guy 24,000 plants per acre, maybe 28. There's no way I'm exceeding 30,000. No way. It's just too risky. You can do it. And I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that um, you might not get higher yield by doing that. But I'm just saying there's a tremendous amount of risk there. So like on our farm, um, you know, when we used to have this issue occasionally, uh, before we get our fertility up, we would just harvest one direction, go really slow, pick up everything we can uh, by, by going so slow. Well, stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag next. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agri specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at grainphd.com. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. Our exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are in the Ag PhD mailbag right now answering your questions. If you would like to give us a call and join the discussion, 844-44-AG-PHD. Or if you have a question for us, you can also send it in via email, radio at agphd.com. Going from David down in Nebraska, he said, I got some soil samples here. I'm trying to correct low magnesium in one of my fields. I've got a magnesium base saturation below 10, calcium base saturation above 90%. Uh, I've also attached some other soil samples. I thought he was from results. Kansas. Oh, I'm sorry. Could be Kansas. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure it's Kansas. Okay, okay, Kansas, sorry. Uh he said, I, I sent you uh, some yields and soil sample results the last couple of years. We put on elemental sulfur, potash, DAP, and micros. Uh, we applied a lot of potash, over 500 pounds per acre, trying to build base saturation K. Didn't see a big improvement immediately on that, although the crop probably tied some of this up, given a pretty good yield. You shouldn't um, really say tied up, used up, but yes. Yep. Yep. So anyways, they're pretty happy. Uh, had a few issues out there. We're just kind of curious about the fertility plan. What do we need to do to correct the low mag? And what other things do you see? Okay. So he sent us an inordinate amount of data. <laughs> I've got, I'm yeah, going to awesome. guess, uh, let's see, I have about 60, 70 pages here of stuff, which was great. Um, I don't, I don't oh. usually need quite that much stuff, but yeah. oh, go ahead. Don't, don't let me forget to, uh, also kind of curious about the EDDHA iron, uh, so products like soy green, for example. Why don't you talk about that for a second, and then I'll talk about his soil. Okay. Yes. So when you've got really high pH soil, a lot of times we do – we just talked about iron this week uh, on the program. But when you've got iron out there, it, it converts to uh, – the ferric form. It converts from the ferrous form to the ferric form, which is unavailable to plants. So you still have the iron, but in a high pH soil, it's in a form that's just not available to the plant. So to get iron available for a plant, many times in those high pH soils, especially above seven, but if you get higher than that, it gets even worse. 
we're putting on iron chelates. Now, if you did just a, a EDTA chelate, it's probably not going to stay available very long, but this advanced form of chelation, EDDHA, will stay available. And you can apply that at planting time, get iron into the plant, and avoid problems like iron deficiency, chlorosis, and soybeans. So, yes, on the high pH parts of the farm, I would recommend doing something like that until you can get that pH down. I know you're putting on elemental sulfur and different things to try to get there. Okay. So with his soil tests, um, and first of all, I would just say for anybody that wants to send a soil test, we we certainly enjoy looking at them and trying to help you head down the right path. So there are a couple of things that he said. Uh, I want to talk first about that, that potash thing. And he said uh, it didn't really move his numbers. So I have his 20... 18 data, fall 2018 and fall 2019 soil test data, same field. And it's not a big field. We're talking like a 50-acre field, and he's got like 18 cores, so roughly two and a half acre grids. Anyway, his base saturation K last year on average was 2.14, and this year on average is 2.09. So my assumption is there's a bunch of that potash that either hasn't it, it just it, it either hasn't broken down. I have to assume it actually got applied because he sent me the map of his application and the average rate was like 500 pounds. Now, certainly he used some of that, uh, but he didn't use 500 pounds. So if you figure what's the actual of K2O potassium, you know, it's 60%. So that's a, that's a lot. And you look at the nutrient removal and his yield average was not super high. I mean, according to this, it says 131 bushel average, but he had a, a chunk of the field that was around 200. Now, the interesting thing with that chunk of the field that was around 200, the soil pH was much lower. Where his poor yield was, that was where the pH was high. His average pH in, in the poor yield area was probably 7, 7, 7, probably 7, 8. I'd call it 7.8. And we talk about this all the time. High pH really hurts you. So if you can get that down, uh, that's great. So he did apply some elemental sulfur last year, and we're probably going to say, you know, give that a little more time to work because I don't know what grade you used of elemental sulfur or anything, but give that a little more time to work. His highest rate was 368 pounds. Um, you're probably going to need some more elemental sulfur there, though. Uh, drainage could be be an issue I don't I don't know on this field but he's also one of his biggest concerns is he is worried about low magnesium so yeah you could buy maybe some uh, some K mag or something like that get something with some magnesium out in your low magnesium areas but a lot of your magnesiums you're around 10 percent that's that's not that bad we talk about 12 percent so you're you're awfully close uh, on the on these heavy soils his uh, CECs are 12 to 30 somewhere in that range. His average CEC is 20. Okay. So anyway, I, I'm just saying, um, I, I think the potash is going to start coming available. You're probably still going to need some more. Uh, I don't think I get too terribly carried away, but you'll start seeing those potash numbers or potassium numbers likely come up. I'd keep working on trying to lower your pH where the pH is high. That to me, well, you can really see it on your yield map. That's dramatically hurting your yield. So those are probably the biggest things that I would say in terms of where you find magnesium. 
you know, I, like I like I was saying, K-Mag is probably a, a pretty good way to go. But I, I mean, just talk to a few fertilizer dealers out there and see what they can find for you for magnesium. Because yes, there in some cases, you are down to four or five percent magnesium. That is not real great. And in some of those spots, those are also the high pH spots. So hopefully you can get something going there. In the other areas where you need some uh, some sulfur, I, I just find sulfur in some other source. Maybe use ammonium sulfate or something like that. And the final thing that I'm going to say is there are a lot of other things in the soil test that are likely impacting your yield. You've got very low copper. His his copper average is 0.7 parts per million. On our farm, we're shooting for three. His, his zinc is at 1.23 parts per million. And I would say we need to get that up probably to at least three. His phosphorus is only at 23 parts per million. Probably need to boost that a little. Sulfur is at seven parts per million. We want that a lot higher. Boron's a half a part per million. I'd like that closer to two or three. Manganese is 1.86. I would like to get that bumped. Now, granted, this is not a Midwest Labs test, so it doesn't have to be to 20 or anything like that, but the manganese is low. So you see where I'm going with this. There are a lot of other things out there too. So keep working on feeding uh, your plants. Work on some of these other nutrients. You don't have to go crazy carried away or anything, but get some more nutrients out there because you need them. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Got Mike with us out in West Virginia. Mike, how's it going? Doing, doing real well. Uh, it's ironic. I got in the truck and you guys are talking about fall herbicide, and I just got off the phone with my uh, spray guy. I'd like to get some spraying done on some acres that uh, I'm going to still seed some cereal rye on for cover crop. But I've got all kinds of winter annuals now coming, and uh, we were in a quandary as to what we could uh, seed on or spray on that and was wondering what your suggestions are. We have a lot of purple dead nettle, chickweed, and so on. And my experience has been with cover crop, but that's real thick. The cover crop doesn't do all that well and doesn't really serve the purpose that I want. Uh, yeah, and our concern here is if you're going to do cereal rye or winter rye, there isn't much you can throw out there for residual that isn't going to end up hurting the crops. you got to be real careful. Uh, is Sharpen even labeled in cereal or winter rye, Darren? Why don't you look that up for me? That's the only thing I can think of that's going to give you a lot of residual. Otherwise, if we're just talking about burn down, you got plenty of just strictly burn down options. Everything from Roundup to Gramoxone, there's AIM, um, you, you got a number of choices there. But even when we start talking about 2,4-D, you got to be real careful spraying 2,4-D in front of a cereal like rye. Um, most of the time, I'll tell guys, spray the 2,4-D and you got to wait at least a week, if not preferably two in many cases, depending on the rate you used of that 2,4-D. So how soon did you want to seed that rye? Um probably be seeding it tomorrow. <laughs> That's uh, what right I figured. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So in that case, Gramoxone? Uh, well, yeah, Gramoxone, but Roundup, Roundup and AIM could work fine too. You could throw Gramoxone together with AIM or you could throw Roundup together with AIM. Uh, so those are the products that have no residual. What'd you find out for me and Sharpen? 
The first thing I found, Brian, was an article from Purdue saying how great it worked controlling rye yeah. uh, when mixed with Roundup. So that was their best treatment they had. So I'd be nervous about that. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about the residual, not the burn down activity of it. So if it's not labeled, it, I, yeah, I apologize. I don't remember if Sharpen's labeled in it. I didn't think so, but uh, I'll check on that. If you just hold on for us here, Mike, uh, we got to close sure. out the show, but just hang on for us. We'll get you an answer on yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Small grains, rye. Yeah, okay, it? it is. Yep. So Sharpen absolutely could be used as part of your burn down and then that give you residual on those broad leaves as well thanks mike really appreciate the call and thanks to you for listening be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio now stay tuned for the birthday boy rob sharkey happy birthday rob and shark farmer radio coming up next